right, let's jump in. We're in the middle of a series called, I about said now hiring, and some of you guys would have been like, oh, no, I thought it was done. Asking for a friend, tackling the uncomfortable issues. Today I want to talk about a question that might be hard for me to preach on today, but that's okay. So if you feel convicted, just remind yourself, Zach's just preaching to himself, and I'm just listening to him arguing with himself. Uh, Today I want to talk about where's God. Where's God? Now, if uh, you want the children's church answer, that is, he's all around us. He's with us everywhere we go, and that's, that's true. But I want to talk about the emotional side of things for a second today. Where's God? How many of us in this room, I bet you there's a lot of us, have, have came across something in life, an issue, a problem, a shortcoming, a funeral, a death, a scary situation, hardship in life, burnout, you name it. The question has somehow arise, is God even with me? Where's God at? Does he care? I I know I have felt that way. And it's led to a lot of anger at God as well. But I want to talk about this and kind of take you a little bit through my journey. Uh, Typically, we we throw this verse up later. But today, we're just going to start out with, in this series, where we uh, do it, that's what he said somewhere along the lines. And I just want to sit on this verse, and some of you guys are like, Zach, you've already used this verse. I know. I just got to make sure it's highlighted in your Bible. And it's really good. And I love it. So, here we go. Matthew 6, verse 33. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or in your Bible app, highlight this, underline. If you don't have a Bible, guess what? Not only do we have a sweet water bottle we want to give you. Just plug this one more time. Um, If you don't, have a Bible, and don't worry, you don't have to be a first-time visitor. You can be a long-time visitor, like, I've been here longer than you, Zach, and you can still come up and be like, Zach, I don't have a Bible. I'll be like, I got one for you. It's yours. Mark it up. That's the only deal I got. Read it daily. Mark it up. Sound good? All right. Matthew 6, 33. I want you to underline this verse. If it's not underlined in your Bible, highlight it, use a crayon, whatever. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you want me to give you the rundown of the entire message today, I'm going to tell you this right here. I think we get this backwards. I think sometimes we take out the kingdom of God and replace it with everything you need. Seek the everything you need above all else and live righteously and, and God will be there eventually. I think we turn it around, and I want to talk about that today. But before I preach my whole sermon and where you're like, all right, we can go home, get to Pizza Ranch before they open. Let's pray. God, I, uh, I love you. May I never forget the blessings and the gifts that you have given me. The gift of salvation. The blessings of, the, of waking up this morning. The simplest things, God, can always be in awe of you. Lord, today, would you just permeate each one and every one of us? Lord, but most importantly, may my words be few and your words be many. Amen and amen. So, uh, tell me, have you ever felt one of these two ways? And if you felt one, you've probably felt the other. Either you've had like zero motivation. You're like, I'm going to sit on my phone and scroll Instagram and Facebook and watch YouTube videos and just kill the rest of the day or just watch Netflix because I don't want to do anything. I just don't. 
and you don't know where it comes from. Or you've been on the opposite side of the coin like, I'm going to do every house project I need to do. I'm going to paint the house. I'm going to re-roof the garage. Do it all. One day, I am the greatest. Me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sure we've all been there, right? This week, we, uh, uh, I was doing some house projects on Monday because a realtor was coming on Tuesday, and we're getting really excited. And I'm like, yeah, new house. We got an offer. It's accepted. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you more about it later some other Sunday. But we're, we're moving houses, and so we've got to put ours on the market. And Monday, I'm like, all right, what needs done? Crystal and I have sat down. We've made a list. We, for days, we were, like, getting these bigger projects. And now she's down to these, like, little tiny projects. Like, this area needs repainted. This needs done. This needs done. You need to clean the garage. So, like, Monday, I get back from the bus barn. And I got, I just get going. I'm like, bah, 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 and Crystal's in the house. She's, like, mopping floors, picking things up. We're like, go, go, go. Like, you can't stop us. Working to the bone. And then yesterday rolled around, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. No, I just, I, I don't want to do anything. I have, like, zero motivation, and uh, I don't know why. But it's interesting, right? Because not only does this happen at home, but I remember before I, uh, before I came to Fort Dodge, I was working at a hourly job, and it was this kind of high stress during seasonal times and low stress during the rest of the year. But these high-stress times were the times where I like, tried to fuel that, like, I can do everything, put it on my back. I will work harder than everyone else. Maybe you're in one of these jobs, and you're like, I have to work harder than everyone else. I have to do more. I have to work better. And then somebody comes along, and you're feeling really good because you got your paycheck, and you work 65 hours in one week. And you're like, yes, yeah, so much money. Or no, I'm kidding. Uh, we're just like, yes, I have worked 65 hours. And someone comes along, and they're like, yeah, one week I worked 80 hours. I'm just that good. You'll probably never have to work that much. We won't need you that much. Like just saying you're not valuable and just, just hopping that balloon of feeling really good. And so then what's your motivation? At least for me, it's like I will work 81 hours or more one week and shove it in your face. And then the one time that you do work more than this person for a week, uh, he comes back at you with, well, you know, after work, I went home and uh, built the house pretty much. Yeah, I kept working. You can't win sometimes with people, right? But we get in this competitive nature like, I will work harder. I will be better. And I will be the best. And so we just start getting really super busy. And busyness is great because uh, what's the line your mothers always tell you, like what? idle hands or the devil's playground or something. I don't remember. But uh, I also remember nothing good happened after midnight. That's the, the sermon, though. But being busy is fine. But here's where it gets really difficult. Because if you fall into this type of category, you'll start stretching yourself. Men, how many of you in this room that are married feel like I'm the provider for the house? I have to work all the jobs I can and make all the money and make sure my wife, the queen, gets taken care of, right? And then she doesn't, like, honor or respect you about it. So you're like, really? Girl, who brings the cheddar into this house? Uh, no, that's just me again. Okay, anyways, but we, we have to do it. We have to take care of it. Maybe you work really hard, and you're like, I got to work hard. Why? For the money, for the promotion, for whatever I'm looking for. I need 
to bust my butt to get it done. And what happens? You stretch yourself. I got less time here so I can, I can go drive for DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, whatever. I can go do this over here. Now, look, I'm not trying to convict you about to work less. Uh, as nice as that would be, some of us have bills to pay. I understand that. But what I am talking about is what happens when you stretch yourself? What happens when we get super busy? Well, we start cutting out things that we don't see value in. So we get really busy, we stretch ourselves, and then all of a sudden, it seems you only stretch yourself so far, and then all your God time just disappears. Zach, I still go to church on Sunday. He hasn't disappeared yet. Okay, that's cute. But that's not what I'm talking about. You go, well, if I, if, I, if I work a little bit later at the night, then I can wake up later in the morning, and I'll just push out my Bible reading prayer time, and I'll do it, like, over my lunch break. And then you cut your lunch break out because you figure out, I can get home earlier or get to my other job faster if I don't have a lunch break. I can do more work if I cut the unnecessary things out. And so when we stretch ourselves, when we get really busy, what happens? Where's God? I feel like I'm just burnt out and, and laying over here on the ground and I'm without any motivation. And I don't think God cares anymore. And, and we don't feel God anymore. That's one thing that could happen. There's a second one I'll get to later. But we get busy. Maybe even it's spiritual busyness. Things that don't grow a relationship but make it look really good on social media. For instance, like we got to post our daily Bible verse, otherwise people won't know we read our Bible, which is fine, but actually read your Bible. But we stretch ourselves and we lose God, and then all of a sudden we get to the point where we're like, where's God? Where, where's God? Or we stretch ourselves in the church and we start misunderstanding God. Well, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for the kingdom, so obviously God loves me more. Or, even worse, you look at somebody else who's doing all this work, and you're like, well, God loves them more. Let me tell you what, God must really love Zach, because he's doing so much for the kingdom, and I'm just over here going to connect groups, or leading a connect group, or, or just, you know, barely talking to my coworkers. No, that's not how it happens. When we stretch ourselves or we see people being busy and busy and busy, we start misunderstanding the kingdom. And these things will eventually lead you to asking, where's God? Where, where's God? I've lost him. I'm so busy. I'm not good enough. I, I, I need to do more because I've, God's just not here. Where's, where's God? Like, do I, is my work not good enough? Or, why hasn't God kept up with me? Because what happens is we've switched this verse. We've taken, we want everything we need. I really need, and don't turn this around on me, okay? You'll know, you'll understand. I really need that new house. Please don't turn this around on me. Really need that new house. I'm going to work for it. And when I get there, I'm sure God will be there as well. But if we're doing this correctly, if we're seeking the kingdom of God above everything else, if we're honestly saying, my relationship with God is more important than my job, money, if that's the most important thing in my life, 
then I will tell you this right now. Everything you need will be taken care of. Zach, that's a pretty big promise, bud. You, you're telling me if I, if I just quit my job and, and read my Bible all the time, I'll be good. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if we're diligent, if we're trying to honestly say to ourselves that you aren't telling me, you're not telling your friend, but you're telling yourself and you agree with yourself that I am seeking the kingdom of God, that I'm more passionate about the kingdom than making sure I get all the stuff I want, I'm good. Because really, where does this busyness come from? Well, I have to do this. I have to do this so we can take care of this. I have to do this. Look, seeking the kingdom, it sounds big and fancy, and it can be at times, but what it boils down to in the day-to-day is a walk with me, work with me, watch how he does it. Not me, Jesus. Walk with him, work with him, watch how he does it. Reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, being tuned into the Spirit, all these things are seeking the kingdom. It's not a life living as a monk or a nun or a priest locked away, studying the ancient Greek and Hebrew text. It's a life walking with Jesus. But life gets busy. And we forget the importance of it. And as the longer you forget the importance, the sooner you'll find yourself standing in a position of saying, where is God? No. I'm sure he's left me. I think you just can't keep up with my workflow. Obviously, I worked harder than God this week. No. You see, the question, where is God, can be easily answered with one of the greatest books in the Bible, and probably one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 goes at this exactly, and it's going to be verse 38 and 39. And again, if you want to underline something, this should be underlined in your Bible because it's super powerful. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, 39. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God. So you're standing where you're standing. In the middle of confusion, in the middle of stretch, in the middle of burnout, in the middle of working hard, in the middle of busyness, saying, where is God? I've lost him. When Paul writes in Romans, you haven't lost him. You can't lose him. If death can't separate you, if fear can't separate you, if worry can't separate you, then you're not separated. He goes on, verse 39, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It can't be, it can't be done. But yet, how many times has Zachary Ziffer found himself standing in the middle of busyness saying, Where is God? I pray, I cry, and I can't find you. How many times did the psalmist David say, God, where are you? I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm oppressed, I'm in need of you. But you know what David always ends up before Zachary can get there? He always ends up in a position with, oh, oh, you've been here all along. Psalm 23, the most probably 
quoted psalm in the Bible, the first psalm I ever had to memorize for Royal Rangers. David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Man. That valley of the shadow of death, is can, can busyness be found there? Can worn out? Can being stretched thin be found there? Yeah. Yeah. Can where I'm at be found there, Pastor? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're probably close to that area. It's probably in the valley right over there. And David says what? In the scariest valley of them all, his rod and his staff, they come. How can David walk through the valley of the shadow of death and feel God's rod and staff still? Probably because he was walking with God before he got there. You know, another thing about busyness that's really dangerous is it leads us to thinking that we're worth more, we're better. Somehow, busyness becomes a way to earn heaven. Zach, you don't understand. Like, God will understand. If I, if I cut out my, my morning devotional, and I make 22 bucks an hour, so I work an extra 30 minutes, that's another $11. So that's an extra dollar and 10 cents a day I can tithe in over a year. Well, 52 times 5 is 260, so that's an extra $260, not even counting the 10 cents. So that's $260 that goes into your church budget there, mister. So I got to work more. Or if I work more, man, if I leave the connect group, because last week at this annual business meeting, Zach said he wants four connect groups by the end of 2020. So I'm going to lead this connect group, and, and then God will love me more. It'll pay for all my mistakes from yesterday. Or I'm going to get super busy. Give more tithe. Get more jewels in my crown. Get more Jesus apparel. Man, I'm going to wear sweatshirts that just say Jesus and jewels. They'll be like, tell me where you got that sweatshirt. I'll be like, first I got to tell you about Jesus. And then Jesus loves me more. Maybe then God will be more proud of me. Maybe then I'll get more God stickers. Maybe then I will earn what I never deserve. See, busyness is toxic. I'm not saying we all need to go lay down and as much as we'd like to be like the disciple John every day of our lives reclining on Jesus. That's not the takeaway here. I love, I love this passage. It's in Luke chapter 10, I believe. The story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are hanging out. Jesus is over at their house. I, wanna, I want you to think about that scene for a second. Jesus, the Savior, two women who understand who Jesus is, he's at their house. Now, we get to know who Jesus is. We get to live 2,000 years after he came. So we, we get the luxury of having the Bible and understanding and seeing the prophecy. So I think it'd be easy for us to put ourselves in this situation and say, how would you act if Jesus came over for lunch and you had nothing ready? There's a crock pot, you got some 
Hy-Vee smoked turkey in the fridge, a couple bagels in the basket. And Jesus is like, hey guys, can I hang out with you? We see two responses. One of the sisters chooses just to lay there dreamy eyes with Jesus and listening to him talk. And if you're like me, if you're a busy person, you think to yourself, Dang it, Mary, get off your butt. We got things to do. You're running the fairway. I'm firing up the smoker. By the time you get back, she's going to have the best wings ever in about an hour and a half. She's just in there. She's like, Jesus, I want to hang out with you. And the other sister, she's cleaning the house. Jesus, I am sorry for the dirt. Would you please forgive me? Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, but all I have is plain bagels. Silly man the other day came in the house and ate the cinnamon crunch. So I, you, I don't have a cinnamon crunch bagel for you. Is a plain bagel and butter okay? And he's like, yeah, that's good. But the one sister looks at Jesus, the one who is being busy at the time. Says, Jesus, instead of directly going to her sister, like, you know, mature adults do. Says, Jesus, can you tell my good-for-nothing sister to give me a hand? She doesn't understand who you are. Jesus says, Mary, Martha, I forgot the story already. Who's who? The sister who's busy all the time. She understands what's going on. Jesus wasn't attacking the busy sister. The busy sister's important. But the thing is, Jesus doesn't care about the dirt on your floor. Doesn't care about the quality of the bagels whether or not it's hot food or cold lunch. You know what Jesus cares about? He cares about you. Yeah, could have his sister helped. Yeah, but she understood. She understands, I think, a lot better than most of us busy Americans do. But time with Jesus is important. Both sisters are important. I think we can learn a lot from both of them. We can remember there is important things to do and there is work to be done. But this is a part of the 33 years that Jesus gets to spend on this earth. There is work to be done. He will commission you in a few moments. But there is time where we need to remember to spend time with God. Look, I'm not against busy. I ain't even against working hard in the church or for the kingdom. What I am against is a misunderstanding of why we do it. Are you doing it to impress Jesus? Are you doing it so that you somehow think it will make you a better person or to prove someone else wrong? Or are you doing it with the kingdom in mind? Is that our thought? We have to be busy the right reason. Otherwise, our busyness just leads to stress and us finding ourselves. I don't know why I always have to be over here by the drums when I say this. Where's God? 
Where are you at, God? Busyness without the kingdom in mind leads to isolation. I'm sorry, but it doesn't look like you'll be the king. Busyness with the kingdom in mind. And then you're working for the right reason. What's the right reason? To reach people. Show them how their life can be better. And I'll guarantee you, it doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like. God has a very interesting way of reaching people. Well, Zach, you know, you don't understand the culture of my community. I need to, to be this outspoken uh, so people know. I need to be screaming turn or burn in the middle of uh, Times Square. Otherwise, people won't understand. It's, it's a very severe way to do it, but these are very severe people. No, I, I'm not sure. That just seems like busyness to me. Impress God. When your actions, what you do, will never be enough. I hate to break it to you. Worship team, I'm ready for you. See, we, we need to be busy for the right reason. As we move on here, as I close, there's one verse I want to go to. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. So we keep on praying for you, asking for God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Maybe, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. What does this verse have to do with my calling? Now I have to to enable my call, to be worthy of my call. I want you to watch this one more time. What's the last part? May he give you the power to accomplish. The power to accomplish the call in your life does not come from yourself. And if you don't have the power to do it on your own, then probably on your own you can't figure out what it's going to look like. And when we try to figure out what it looks like on our own, it turns into busyness. So let's go all the way back to the start. Let's go back to the first day you were a Christian. Let's go back to the moment where you knew God was there, where you heard his voice so clearly. Go back to there. Instead of saying, okay, God, I got this. I understand. I got to go reach the community college campus. And I got it from here. I'm going to go read all the books. I'm going to go talk to all the greats. I'm just going to do all what they did, and I'm, I'm going to make it work. And we'll touch base back in a year. All right, God, I'm, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to live missionally. I heard that at church on Sunday, God. I'm going to live missionally now. now I'm going to figure what that it looks like. I'm going to figure it all out. I got this. No, let me fill in the blank. Like somehow this is a, a test question and he's going to leave a blank and you have to answer it. Like we get to finish his sentences. No. No, when we're relying on the power to accomplish all the good, it means we rely on the power, we rely on the call, we rely, rely on the direction, we rely on God. And that takes focusing on your own 
That takes focusing on seeking the kingdom. Not working for bonus points. Not doing it because... sitting here thinking, I'm ready to get out of here. It's time to go. I got plans. I got to get work ready for tomorrow. Let me tell you something. You need this worship more than you think you do. Take this time. That's why we make sure worship is at the end of every service. Take this time and say, God, I don't know where you're at, but I will lift my voice and raise my hands to you. And spend this time seeking your face the midst of it all, cutting out the busyness to find you. Oh God, may our souls pull us so hard towards you. May the draw make us hungry for more. May that your words today cut to where they needed to be heard. 